You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing, everybody out there in podcast land? This is John Yule. I'm glad to have you with us today on the next edition of the Renewed You podcast. This podcast is proudly sponsored by New Life Church. We would love to have you join us at New Life at 13300 Southwestern Avenue in Oklahoma City or online at newlifeokc.org. We are committed to helping you develop a complete life through mental health, physical health, and spiritual health. So thanks for joining us today. I, of course, have my buddy, my partner, my friend, Jeremy, is with us today. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking we need somebody else to do that intro because I I hate that I... Hi, you're listening to the Renewed You podcast. I know, but it's... You know, know, I I do know a couple of of ladies that we could probably get to do it. We just got to get one of them to quit coughing long enough to record something. Yeah, well, you know, uh, my lovely wife, she's, she's, she's got the allergy crud that's gone on for like two years. I don't know. That seems to be really, really <laughs> two bad. Years. Yeah. It seems like it's been that long. So anyway, it's a pandemic unto itself. It is, it is, it is, man. Uh, glad to have you today, Jeremy. Thanks for being with us. And I've got a great friend who is returning with us today. I'm looking forward to catching up with him and seeing where our conversation might go today and that is my friend and pastor justin blankenship hey justin hello it's an honor to be back thank you guys for talking to you and jeremy it's good to be with you today and uh i think this is the first podcast i've ever been asked to return on so that's that says something well, it, it either says you're really good or we're really desperate. I'm go. not sure which it is. Bottom of the barrel. <laughs> no, no, I don't think we should explore it. I, <laughs> let's, let's just, just leave, just leave it alone exactly. right there where it is. Exactly. Uh, Justin pastors a great church called Landmark Church in uh, Blanchard. Or no, Purcell. we've been talking, about, we've been talking Blanchard about Blanchard in Purcell, <laughs> Oklahoma. And uh, if you're in the southern part of the Oklahoma City metro area, um, I would encourage you to check out Landmark Church. Uh, you would not be disappointed. Uh, Justin, I know this is a return for you, but go ahead and give everybody just a brief snapshot of who you are and tell them a little bit about Landmark. Uh, well, I grew up in Mississippi. Um, a, a preacher's kid came to Oklahoma 22 years ago. can't believe it's that long. I'm getting older to go to college and uh, stayed here and Eventually made my way to Purcell about 13 years ago. Started pastoring Landmark. It was a pretty traditional church. Um, great people, about about 40 people, and uh, just seen God do some amazing things in that amount of time in the thir- last 13 years. Um, and so we were able to relocate buildings, um, able to uh, start a, a hope center, women's hope center. So we got about 25 women right now that live out on the property. And uh, the Lord has blessed me, blessed my my life. Um, I'm married to my wife Sarah. And we have a um, a little boy who is 17 months old. Hmm. And you two are getting information that by the time this comes out, it will be um, on social media, so I can say it. We're actually expecting another child. Hey, so we'll be announcing dude, that this Sunday. Congratulations, man! We're the man. first, Thank man. You, you are. We'll be announcing that this Sunday 
on our in, in, live at church, so we haven't we haven't even um, everybody All knows right. except her dad. So you two don't go post this on Facebook today. <laughs> I'm so, I've already out. tweeted it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> exactly. Already sent a picture on Facebook and tagged me. Right. So anyway, congratulations, man. Well, I, I say thanks. I'm excited on one hand. I'm also 40 years old, and the thought of chasing another child around, yeah. 40 years old, is a little a little scary. To Listen, man. If anyone can do it. It's Jared. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. I am out, boys. I am exactly. out. No, I was Justin gonna say if anybody it. knows about being an old dude and chasing a kid around the house, it's Jeremy. <laughs> this guy, what is what? Is, why? Why? Jeremy's got an eight-year-old man. Ten. Ten-year-old. Ten-year-old. Ten-year-old, and it's been ten years of chasing a ten-year-old around. Well, He's forty a good years kid, old, though. seventeen months. My my son, he is literally. All boy, I woke, we woke up this morning. He's jumping up and down in his crib, <laughs> standing on the side. He does not stop moving till he lays down at night, and he yeah. takes him a little while to be still. So he takes after you, then he does. He takes after his dad. I'm, yeah, I'm paying for my raising for sure. But oh, come is, on, man. It is a constant. Now he's a he's a joy, but it is a constant. I mean, he wants to move constantly. So, yeah. anyway, I tease so. Jeremy because he's not much younger than I am, and and yet, um, he doesn't. He and his wife do a great job of parenting, and we're going to get into that with you here in a minute. But I really think that kids keep us young because, especially now that I've crested 50, I don't feel 50. I feel 30. Yeah. And I think age is a mentality. It is. Um, and I know a lot of people that are younger than me that act way older. Uh, right? Then I definitely am 60. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a mentality. But, I mean, it's it's. De- I think it really is more mentality. And, and I think anytime you're investing in people younger than you, I think that helps keep you young, and right. I think maybe that's why why God is blessing you, because, man, you're just getting started. I am. <laughs> I, th- I figured our retirement plan is now um, we're going to – our final house will be one that we like the guest bedroom because we're just going to swap rooms <laughs> with about – be close to 60, and we'll just say, you can have the master bedroom, we'll take the, the guest room, and you can take care of it. So that's going to be our and you, retirement. And kids, you can take the payment for the exactly, house as well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we're going to swap all that. So well. It's like, kids, we want to tell you a little something about – a reverse mortgage. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. you have nothing when we leave. Exactly. That's right. Do you have a roof over your head until we're gone? Until we're gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, man, the last time that we were together, you were telling you had, you had completed kind of the first phase of your story. We talked about uh, you and, and your first wife that you had waited. You had followed the God plan. Uh, kept yourself uh, until marriage and um, that God gave you someone and then you guys got married and uh, you eventually got pregnant and then she wound up passing and then not only she passed but but your mom passed all within a short time frame and you were talking about how you kind of came out of that um, and you've shared that story uh, before at other churches right. and uh, if you would like to hear that complete story I would just encourage you to go and and look up Justin's podcast with me here on Renewed You, and you can hear that story. But I want us to pick up kind of right there. What what began to happen as you began to come out of that depression moment, you know, for, for you? Right. I think it's interesting. I've been thinking about the word, um, the phrase hindsight 2020 a lot lately, because there's a lot of things that you look back on and you see that you did not see in the moment that you can, you know, that's why they say hindsight's twenty twenty. Because looking back, it's more clear than it was in the moment. Uh, the psalmist said this. He said it was good that I was afflicted. 
And that's not the kind of statement you say in the moment. I mean, you're not, you're not glad that you're going through things. But looking back on it, it's interesting how looking back, you can see things that you didn't see in the moment. So for me, it took me about a year and a half to come out from under a fog, depression, whatever you want to call that, where literally um, I pastored through it. I did all these things, but um, there was days it was hard to even sit down and think for a few moments. Some of it, I believe, was almost a PTSD. I don't say that lightly, but I mean, there was so much shock. I remember when my mom passed away, walking out, it was about one in the morning, we left the hospital and they were coming to get her and all this stuff. And we, me and my dad, and we had this one lady that was like my sister that was a nurse. She was in there with us. So the three of us are going to the car and we're all going to be going our separate ways. And uh, so we're talking for a second. And I remember just standing there and it was like shock. I mean, I was obviously sad and I'd been crying, but it was almost like just a numbness because I'd been through so much and lost so much that when this happened, it was just kind of like there's another thing and it was just numb. So it took me about a year and a half to come out from under that and that that being numb mentally. Um, and literally about a year and a half later, I just it was like one day the cloud lifted and I, I began to think clear for the first time in a long time. And so it, it was it was a process. I, I tell people grief is a process. It's not. I think so many times you know people, especially when you go through something, people want to know what what did you do to grieve? What do you, and the truth is, is every single person has a different journey of going through those kind of things, and everybody has a different way of dealing with it. So I think you know in some ways you have to just be you know true to what you're going through in those moments. But anyway, it took me about a year and a half to really get out from under that mental fog until I could kind of feel again, if that makes sense. Um, and then from there. Um, about a, a year and a half later, three years into it, I was I felt like I was ready to explore options of dating again and all those kind of things. You know, people immediately wanted to kind of feel sorry for me and say, you need somebody. But the truth is, I just wasn't ready. It took me about three years to get to the place. But uh, let me back up. One of the things that when this first happened, I was reading the book of Job and before this happened, I hated the book of Job, to be honest. It's depressing. Who wants to read the book of Job? Yeah. I mean, the guy loses everything, you know. But I'm reading through Job and it made more sense to me um, what he went through. But the very end, God, and it's a very familiar, almost cliche thing, but God says, I'm going to restore to you double what you lost, that kind of thing. But I did feel like in that moment, the Lord spoke to me and said, I will restore what you've lost. And I wrote it in the Bible, you know, the date that I that the Lord spoke that to me. And I held on to that. God, you're going to restore to me what, what I've lost. Um, I didn't put a time frame on it. I didn't try to rush God. I wanted the right timing, but I just knew it uh, that was going to happen eventually. So anyway, long story, um, after about three years in January of, um, I, I had to remember all my dates now, 2018, I was praying at the beginning of the year and said, Lord, I'm ready, but you've got to help me. Um, I think I said this in the last podcast, but um, where do you find a preacher's wife? There's not like, you know, pastorsonly.com or anything. I thought about starting that. <laughs> I was going to say that domain was bought. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Site's not big. I, exactly. I've looked into the app and that kind of stuff, right. you know, developing it. Um, <laughs> But anyway, you know, it depends on which denomination, swipe right or left. That's, I'm just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But um, but anyway. Up and down if you're a church of Christ. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. Um, but anyway, I, what do you do? So I prayed, said, Lord. And it was interesting. Um, we have, I don't, I, we have a family, a, a, a man that's well known in our state for um, sports, Barry Trammell. His dad was the pastor of the church before me. And uh, he went to my wife went to church with them for a while. She was helping with the children's ministry. And so anyway, um, 
they, he, he was she was having lunch with his wife and some other ladies one day, and they just said, "Have you ever heard of Justin Blankenship?" And she said, "I don't think so." Come to find out, we're friends on Facebook. Don't know how. And uh, we kind of interacted on social media a little bit. Um, the church she was attending, I asked them to come do a night of worship, and she came down there with them, and uh, we met. And so um, we got we we met in April of two thousand. I got to remember the dates. April of two thousand and eighteen, and we were married in October of two thousand and eighteen. So it was mm-hmm. very quick. It was kind of like you know this is she and my wife had never been married. She was. Um, about 32 at the time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so she'd never been married. And so um, she had been waiting for a long time to be married. So um, we got married. And then in December 4th of 2019, we had a little boy named Benjamin. And so we have a 17-month-old son now. And then, as you've already been told, we have <laughs> one on the way. So, so God, God did restore, and now yes. he's given you even more. Exactly, yes. Um, through yeah. that. Yeah. How hard was it? To I mean, I know you said it took you about a year and a half, but how hard was it to open up again to somebody else? I, I think it, you know it was tough, and just not wanting to put any expectations. I mean, I wasn't married before, but twelve weeks, so I really didn't have this um, idea of what long term marriage looks like. So it was mm-hmm. kind of one of those things. But um, I think you know, just putting yourself back out there, and not only because of what's happened, but I mean, to me, the older you get the harder dating is, those kind of things anyway. Just when you get older, it's kind of like, you know, it's just different. And once again, where do you find somebody, that kind of stuff? And then as a pastor, it's you don't really want to date anybody in your congregation because if it doesn't go well, then it's, you know, it's yeah. kind of awkward and weird. And that kind of, believe it or not, I actually did date somebody there at one time in the because in, I'd pastored for whatever, eight years before I met anybody. So anyway, I, and, and, and it didn't work out. So it's just kind of an awkward thing. So you don't want to go down that path. So it's just kind of, you're kind of limited. So it, it, it is hard putting yourself back out there. And I think anybody, I mean, obviously this was a death, so it's different, but anybody that goes through a divorce or anything like that, you know, being vulnerable again can be very hard and very challenging and very difficult. Um, and I think on top of that, just once again, expectations and what does this look like and all this kind of stuff. And then, and also as a pastor, it's kind of like, you know, do you got to find somebody who's wants to be in the ministry? Cause there's a lot of, you know, a lot of constraints on your life because of that. So somebody who's open to that. So God restored things in, in ways I couldn't imagine. And my wife, she grew up, she wasn't a preacher's kid, but she, her best friends were the preacher's kids, and she was around ministry all the time. So she was at the church all the time. Um, and so that ministry comes natural for her. So a lot of those things make sense and fit to her. So um, the Lord brought somebody into my life and and did something better than I thought could happen. And once again, same thing with, with Benjamin. I mean, he's been a joy and he loves people and just to see him, you know, God, God restore things um, exceedingly abundantly above what I could yeah. ask or think. I'm going to toss it to Jeremy in a minute. Let him talk to you for a few minutes, but I do want to ask, um, I think some people, whenever they go through something traumatic like that, and then they put themselves out there again, um, there is this fear of, well, what if this happens again? Mm-hmm. What if the same thing? I mean, did you ever face that? Did did you ever have those kind of thoughts? Sure. I mean, you, you know, it, it makes you think. I mean, I think all of us at some point in our life, if we lose somebody that close to us, parent, grandparent, whatever, we realize that, you know, life is limited. But I, but I mean, a lot of times we don't think about that kind of stuff regularly, you know. And so when this thing kind of thing happens, you 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 want to give yourself wholly to a person, fully mm-hmm. to a person. But part of you wants to say, well, you know, just in case something happens. And so it, it, you have to open yourself up, and you have to be willing once again to be not just to be vulnerable, but to be willing to 
be hurt in a sense. And it's not hurt by that person necessarily. Like in my case, it was somebody passed away. But you have to open yourself up to that possibility. And it, it is difficult. It is hard. I mean, I, I, once again, I'm not comparing that. The only thing I can compare it to in somebody's life would be um, maybe a divorce. Death is different because the person is not walking around anymore that you yeah. were married to. But in this, in the same sense, it is somebody thinking, is this person going to, maybe a, maybe a previous spouse hurt you. Is this person going to do this to me again? Maybe you were abandoned, those kind of things. Is that going to happen? It's the same kind of thoughts that, that run through your head. I think you have to just be at a place where, number one, you trust the Lord, that he knows what he's doing. You have to trust that person and, um, you know, know that the other thing I have to I had to remind myself at the beginning was just what happened to me doesn't happen hardly to anybody. So it's not, <laughs> right. not something that, you know, that you're going to, I mean, people don't, that's why the story there's like four out, books. So. I think there's yeah. four books at Mardell. Probably, I mean, yes, yes, <laughs> probably so. Probably, it's kind of like you know. There's, I mean, literally, this doesn't happen to people often, so it's not like something I have to be worried about. Right. You know, in it, maybe if it was a different scenario, people maybe have more fears about it. But for me, it's kind of like you know, I don't. I mean, I think that's one reason I've been asked to talk about it is because it doesn't happen very often. So it's not like something that people are like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I know eight people that's happened to kind of things. So, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I process. I can't imagine what, what that whole world's like for sure. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like, I just right. can't process it. But, um, and you know, we were talking before the show and, 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 uh, and I want just everybody to hear this is, you know, I've gotten to know you over the last couple months and, and just, I think so highly of your character. Uh, and I think it's just like everyone I come into contact with and I meet that knows you and <laughs> they're like, Oh man, I love that guy. <laughs> And I just, I just think that's an amazing thing. But, you know, we were talking about you've got one on the way. Uh, you've got 18-month-old, and you're in your 40s. That's that's brutal, man. <laughs> it is. It is. That's just it is. brutal. My, my, hopefully my character stays the same through this. I'm just kidding. I'm, I, I'm pretty... I am confident that it will. <laughs> oh, I'm thank confident. you. Thank you. But, man, I think uh, I, I kind of want to get your take on, you know, this wasn't necessarily a, a, a choice for you to wait till your 40s. Right, but, right. Um, you know, uh, I think Johnny and I were talking yesterday about marriages, you know, that have ended and, and we live in this world where used to like in the seventies, eighties, even in the nineties, people would get divorced after a couple of years cause they just didn't like each other or whatever. Right. Today we're seeing a lot more divorces happening after 17, 18, 20 years. And my philosophy is because it's people live for the kids. Yeah. And then when the kids are gone, they're like, Oh, Who's this person right here? Right. Before, people were still selfish enough to not worry about the kids, so they just got divorced, which I don't know if that's selfish or the good move. I don't even know. But but in general, I think the thing is, uh, I kind of want to get your opinion on on spouse versus kids and where that falls into your, you know. Yeah. I remember as a kid, uh, once again, being an only child, I came in one day, the way my parents spent time together. They, they played games, played cards a lot, um, and dominoes, Yahtzee. They were just a very big game-playing family. And I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as they did. So we didn't always do it as a family, but they always, they, that was the way they spent time together. They were in there playing cards one day, and I came in, and I, I wanted them to do something. And my dad said, I'm spending time with your mom right now. And uh, and he, he and in the conversation, he was trying to teach me something, but he, he basically said, he said, you know, son, I need to have a relationship with your mom because one of these days you may move away and never come home. 
and I don't remember how old I was. I wasn't like 18 or something, but I, I was probably nine or 10. I remember crying and saying, I will never leave you. <laughs> I'm never going anywhere. You know, I'm here with you forever. He was right. I, I came to college and I never went home. I would go home in the summers, but I never came home again. I, I stayed away. And my dad was teaching me in that moment, me and your mom need to have a relationship outside of you. We love you. But one day you may be gone, and if me and your mom don't know each other, then we're not going to have anything. And that's something that's yeah. always stuck with me because I remember one time I was a youth pastor here in Oklahoma City, and we had a garage sale for a youth fundraiser. And these parents came by from the church, and their kids were smaller, but some of their family were up there anyway. And I just remember them saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to go eat dinner together. We're going to drop the kids off. That's fine. I remember them going and eating dinner and coming back. And when they got back, they got back quick. And somebody said, y'all weren't gone very long. And you could have, y'all could have gone and done something. And they said, well, we just don't know what to do without oh, our kids. Man. And, and they're still married. Thankfully, yeah. everything's good. But it was that, but that, that was like, I looked and I thought for a moment because they were saying, we don't know how to live besides our That's kids. That's right. Well, your dad was so much nicer than I was to my kids. Because <laughs> what I said, to, I have a 22-year-old, 21-year-old, and a 10-year-old now. A year ago, they were all a year younger. But... I, uh, I'd always told my older boys growing up, I'd look at them and go, boys, I love you so much. I tell them how much I love them. You know, they'd love me too. And I said, but I love your mom more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they would, you know, it was funny and banterish and, uh, they were probably 10 to 12 years old. And, and my joke was, well, I can always make more of you. I can't right. make more of right. your mom, you right. know? Right. And, and so, uh, with my, my youngest, uh, we were out to dinner one night and, uh, I said kind of the same thing to him with, so as me and my wife and my oldest boy and my youngest boy. And uh, <laughs> the youngest boy looked at me and he almost starts to cry and he goes, that is so mean. <laughs> <laughs> and then my oldest son's talking to him, no, Jake, you don't understand. It's this, that. And he's like, I don't care. He didn't have to say it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But I think it is true that so many of us, we, we get our lives absorbed into our kids. Mm-hmm. I know that my wife, who is my best friend, I mean, no doubt about it. But we've experienced that a little bit. Yeah. Um, a couple of, couple of weeks ago, we wound up surprisingly, I mean, we should have known ahead of time, but um, just through a course of events, we wound up having an evening completely to ourselves. And after we dropped our daughter off at, at an event that she was going to, our last daughter, we looked at each other and we were like, we have no kids. Mm. This is weird. It's nice, but it's weird. Of course, we had to run an errand for the last kid that we had just dropped off. So that kind of dominated the right. evening. But that feeling of we've always got somebody with us is is kind of a feeling that I think all of us have to work to not let become normal right? for right. us. And I think part of it, too, is people are, are made differently. They're designed differently, different personalities. I mean, I know people that, you know, they love their kids and they can't imagine a life not being around their kids kind of thing. I love my son, but you know, we we recently had to go out of town uh, to it. We went to a marriage thing in Myrtle Beach and it was our first time to leave him. We we had gone to another retreat thing a couple months ago, so we left him overnight but never out of state. And so the funny part was last November, we knew this was coming up in April. And so in November, I walk in the bedroom one night and Sarah's crying. And, you know, like a typical guy, I'm thinking, what did I forget? What yeah, did I what do? did I do? <laughs> I mean, he's like, is it our anniversary? Like, I think that's in October. And instantly checks I mean, the calendar. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, I think her birthday's in September, but I might have got confused. So um, 
I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, we're, we're, we're leaving Benjamin. And I'm like, what? She's like, we're going out of town without him. I'm like, Sarah, that's five months from now. Can we wait five months to cry, please? Right. Like, I mean, it was a joke. I even said it on a Sunday. Like she, I mean, it was a joke between us. I mean, but the thing is for me, maybe it's a typical guy kind of thing, but I'm an only child. I was single for so long. I love my son, but I mean, when he goes to bed and, you know, I, I wanted to put him in bed at 630. She's like, you know, it's closer to eight. You know, it's like, <laughs> I love that time where I know parents that are like, you know, they can't imagine life without even, I mean, even with their spouse, with themselves, like they don't want to be alone or whatever. I, once again, I'm an only child and I was single for so long that, you know, I, I like that breathing for, you know, so anyway, I think it's just people part of his personality as well and who we are. But I think if you're not careful, your life becomes so wrapped up. And and growing up for me, and this is different, it's a whole different topic, but our life was wrapped up in church. I mean, I literally, yeah. like my junior year of high school and senior year, I was at the church every night but two. It wasn't for church. We had volleyball leagues. We had youth group. We had different things. We had a little school, Bible school at night. But anyway, there was I was there all the time. So my life was wrapped up in in that. And so it's a little different, but I, it wasn't like our family just hung out all the time. We were always doing stuff growing up. But anyway, I think it is for parents, especially now with sports dominating so much and, and parents live vicariously. I have a lot of coaching friends and they'll tell you we love the kids can't stand the parents because the parents yeah. are the ones screaming at the refs. They're the ones where the kids are out there. The kids could care less. They're out there, little kids out there picking daisies. You know, the ball's <laughs> right. flying. They don't care. The parents are the ones screaming from the stands. So anyway, I think it. We a lot of times we live vicariously through our kids. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we put the expectations on them of what we wanted to do. Right. And they don't even want that for themselves. Exactly. That's weird, man, because that's, I see that. And it's so, I can't even, I can't fathom the idea of that because there's no, like my son's a musician and he plays guitar. I always wanted to play guitar. I was so frustrated that I played piano because you can't just grab a piano and go, right, right, <laughs> you know? Right. And so, but, and he's a great guitar player and, and I don't ever think like get on him about it. I never pushed him down that road because I'd get nothing out of it. You know what right, I mean? Like, right. I just don't, even in sports, it's like, I just don't understand it. Well, I think people do that because they are so unsatisfied with their own life. Right. Things. I think people live with this constant thought in their head. This is not how I saw my life going. Right. You know, I, I I thought it was going to be different than this. And so when we get to where we are and we see our kids as this second chance, Mm. instead of investing in them to be their own person, you know, um, let them go. The other day, Shandra and I, it's just interesting that this topic has come up. We were talking about this in one vantage point because I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. Uh, I'm going to punch a man card right here. Here we go. Okay, oh, here we go. Here we go. I love college softball. Oh, yeah, I do. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. First off, why did you just say, oh, yeah. Like, are you agreeing with you like it too? <laughs> Uh, I don't watch See, he's it very thinking. often. He's okay. Right very often. Okay. I think it's just because I'm in the backyard of OU of yeah. Norman. Okay. So we have to kind of like. We have um, to kind of like the and one, of, one And one of the girls that won a championship with them a couple years ago goes to our church. Okay. So I, I I have to say yes. I love um I love OU softball. Oh, I do. Okay. I, now, I don't fair just, I, I don't sit home necessarily. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing. I don't sit. I don't sit home. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. No, I don't sit at home and watch um just any softball. But I do like watching. See, OU. I. I 
I I've watched almost all of their games okay. this year. Oh my yeah. god, uh, the Sooners <laughs> Sooner girls games. But I enjoy college. You softball. like college girls basketball too, don't you? No, not really. <laughs> That's the most I'll, boring. I'll, I'll admit. I'll admit. I I like part of it because I will say this. I do like part of girls basketball from the vantage point. It's much more like the basketball I grew up playing in that defense dominates, whereas the boys game is very offensive and and they they've tailored the game to just if you can bomb from three you, the team with the best three-point shooters are going to win whereas in girls basketball it's still you know very much team oriented you got to run weaves and and plays like that but girls softball i just think is fascinating from the standpoint of how close the diamond is mm-hmm. um how fast that ball is coming how quick they got to make reads and and it's a it, it's an exciting game and i like that they have a run rule so, like, most people may not know it. The Sooners are the number one seed going into the tournament this week. But they have run ruled, like, 30 of their 40-some-odd wins. They didn't I, even they, finish I the think game. It was, maybe it was the Big 12, but they this last week, when they won the championship, they run ruled they run every ruled. single team, I think, in the Big 12. Like, this is the yep. first time that it ever happened. Well, I mean, what is the run rule? The run rule is... Oh, you're I mean, gonna, what's the number? It's 10... If if it's uh, or eight runs or more after four and a half endings. Okay, so just so, like when I was in little league. Yeah. Oh, shut up. But still, yes. <laughs> so it's, okay. okay, got it. <laughs> so it's still lame. Gotcha. So, no, it is not. <laughs> no, it wasn't lame for the parents. It wasn't the parents lame for the parents. Like, Hurry hey, up that's so the we truth. can leave early. <laughs> that is the can truth. Be done early. But I mean, just so that if if you're in a game where it's obvious one team is is yeah more power, they go ahead and they end the game. Whereas in the guys, man, like you got to sit there. You know, like you, I watched a major league baseball game the other night, and the team got like nine runs in yeah. the first two innings, and you're like, the game is over. Why are we sitting? In front I of will the seven absolutely. Innings? agree with baseball softball 100 i think the run rule should exist at every level because dude i used to run sound for baseball and oh you know what i'm talking about Blood, we had some games, games go way past midnight because of the just worthless people at bat yeah. <laughs> you know? you're just like come on someone right. hit a home run right. so we can exactly. get out of here well let me show you how this dovetails into what we're talking about because chandra asked me the other night she said because i was watching the uh the second round of the big 12 tournament. And, um, I'm as I am with Sooners, you know, I I'm, I'm cheering and clapping and they hit a home run and I got really excited and I came back in the bedroom and, and she said, I'm really surprised you didn't make our girls play softball as much as you like playing softball mm-hmm. as much as you like enjoy, right. watching it and whatever. And I turned to her and I said, yeah, but that didn't fit any of my girls. And I think, parents we have to have that mentality sure. of letting our kids be kids and investing in them in the areas that they're interested in right. and don't try to shove them into things that that we like right. because i i just don't know that that's very very helpful at all yeah no i agree i think and i think even you know spiritually we can do the same thing and i one of the things i appreciated about my parents was i mean it was evident from a young age that i wanted to be a preacher but my dad sat me down one day and he said look other people can't call you. We can't even call you. My dad was very careful because people would say, he's going to be a preacher when he grows up. And my dad would say, if the Lord calls him to do that. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. I mean, my dad never put that expectation on That's me. That's awesome. And I appreciate that. It wasn't like, you know, and I, when I was 11 years old, I literally prayed for three days. And on the third day, I felt like the Lord had called me to preach. But my dad said, like, you need to hear from the Lord. We're not going to put that expectation on you. They never did as far as preaching. You know, he would give me 
I mean, I, I, I didn't even preach in, we called it back then, big church. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think, I, you know, but I, in children's church or whatever, I got opportunities every once in a while, but he never put expectations on me that were, you know, you have to do this, you have to be a certain way. I, I appreciate that very much. And I assume you're going to do that with Benjamin. Yes. And people already, he loves, it is funny, he's at his age, he loves being on the stage. He loves a microphone. We were trying, I moved offices and we're up there yesterday trying to um, work in the office and he, we shut the door and he gets mad. He's throwing a fit basically, but he's going, Ooh, Ooh. And what he means is he wants to go on the stage. And it's funny. He grabs the most expensive microphone that we've got. He doesn't grab, I mean, we have others and I'll try to give him an old one. He knows what's up. And he'll go up there and point at that one and he'll go, Ooh, Ooh, Ooh. And he'll get the microphone and start talking like he's, is it the one that you use? It is. That's, That's a so Sennheiser. Funny. It's like a you know eight hundred dollar mic. I'm like Benjamin. We've got one over here. It's like you know ninety five dollars. We can replace that one pretty easily. Let me get the and then and then he'll you know inevitably drop it or something. He's going to have to intern with me. He knows the good uh, stuff. He does. He does. <laughs> Isn't that you. interesting that oh. he goes for what you're used to he using? Does. Yeah. And he smells down yeah, on it. He does. He must. Yeah. Well, I will say our worship leader has the same mic, and so sometimes he'll grab hers, but it's the same. It looks the same. So he wants that one. I don't know what, but it's weird because we'll have two of them sitting right by each other. And then, I mean, and but he'll grab that one every time, and he and he gets mad if you hand him the mm. other one. He'll say, he, he doesn't. I mean, he he's he has a lot of um, he speaks a lot of different words for his age, but sure. he doesn't make sentences obviously, and he'll just make noise. But he wants the other one. So <laughs> let's ju- let's talk about uh, your kids just in another vantage point for a minute. Um, I know a little bit of bit of your story. So uh, your first your first wife. Um, you had an issue delivering the baby mm-hmm. and that precipitated the uh, trouble that she had, correct? Well, she had a miscarriage. She had a miscarriage. Yeah, she wasn't pregnant very long, but she had a miscarriage and then um, ended up, yeah, had a surgery from that, a DNC, they call it, and passed away from complications from that. So then you get married again and you have Benjamin did you ever experience something like what happened the first time with your first wife? In we didn't, as far as everything was good. Now we did. Um, I don't know if ever, I mean it, we're, we haven't hid anything from it because we've been very public about it. But with Benjamin, we didn't. Everything was perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything was good. Now I'll be honest. I you know was nervous. I w- I went to as many appointments as I could with Sarah. You know, I mean, I didn't go to everyone, but most of them, just because I wanted to kind of know, hear the heartbeat, you know, that kind of stuff myself. Um, but we experienced this last January, a miscarriage. And now it, I say that it was a, it was a miscarriage, but it was a, not to get too graphic, but it's basically called a tubal pregnancy. She wasn't actually the, uh, I mean, right. she was couldn't have carried the child no matter what, but she ended up having to have an injections um, instead of a DNC. She had that and took care of everything. So we did experience that loss and uh, you know, it's, it's, did it bring up any of those? Of course. Old? I mean, I mean, and, and, she, and Sarah even said, you know, she she's careful about she doesn't want me to have to relive things. So, mm-hmm. she, you know, we talked about that. But, um, you know, you, you just always now I, I will say in this one case, the difference was she was trying to wait to tell me when we were going to have the child. So. I knew she wasn't feeling well and I didn't want but um, it was during the pandemic. So nobody could go in the hospital with them. So she ended up. She said, I, I feel like her hands were numb, and she said, I fucking need to go to the ER or something. I said, well, go, go to the ER. And so but I, I was watching Benjamin, so it was kind of one things I couldn't go in there anyway. So I, I you know, I, I said, because she could drive fine. She was actually out driving when she felt bad. And so I said, well, just go ahead and go straight to the ER. When she comes back, she tells me, um, you know, I've. I was pregnant, but I'm not now. So she was waiting to tell me until she could kind of surprise mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. We were in Myrtle Beach the other day. She wrote in the sand, 
baby Blankenship, and that's how she told me. <laughs> the, the, my, the terrible thing is, if, if, if this is on social media, my re- reaction, because she'd always said, because Benjamin's birthday's in December, she always said, I don't want another December baby. Well, this baby's due date is December 27th, right around oh, Christmas. No. Wow. So when she writes December 2021, I said, I'm sure. I said, oh, no. And then she goes, oh, no. Why are you saying, oh, no? I said, this is a December baby. You didn't want that. So it sounds like I'm saying, oh, no, they're having a child. Yeah. I was reacting to the fact that I know she didn't want a December baby. We're going to be happy no matter what. But sure. it's just one of those things. December is a very busy month for us anyway. And my wife, she loves to go over the top for anything. For his first birthday, she had this big circus theme. And I mean, I'm surprised she didn't rent elephants. I mean, she just goes <laughs> over the top. So anyway, trying to think about going over the top for two birthdays and Christmas and all that stuff is a little much. But anyway, I, I feel terrible. If that gets out on social media, it looks no, like I'm saying, it's, ah. okay. <laughs> yeah. it's all right. But anyway, that, those those things did, yes. Th- those thoughts do come up. And I think that's one of the things you have to, you know, you think about. I mean, you don't, I mean, experience loss again. But, but, because of the way I was told, it wasn't one of those things that I had really had time to think about it to to celebrate before it happened. Now she's, I, I think, nine or ten weeks along now, so we've had time to think about it. I, I just can't. I'm not celebrating too much because I can't talk about it yet because I'm waiting until um, her dad. My dad knows because we saw them in person, so we told them, and then we told her mom, but we haven't still haven't told her dad. So, well, Sarah, I promise you, Jeremy and I will keep it quiet. Uh, but, <laughs> Speak for yourself, but, uh, man. We are happy. Jeremy's yeah. already blackmailing me over here. He's, yeah. he's texting me ten hundred dollars, and I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> oh man! But what would you say to people that are listening today that maybe have experienced tragedy, kind of like what you did? But then they've got that fear of, man, if I, what happens if it happens again? I mean, how do you get over that kind of fear to keep moving forward in life? I, I think part of it, and this is not, I mean, not to, I think part of it is we, we, we don't know if we're going to experience again. And I think for me it is, I can't guarantee I'm not going to experience tragedy again. Um, but I don't want to, the life that I could be living right now, I don't want to miss out on that because of what happened before. So I try to not compare things at all. Like I'm very careful, even in the marriage. I mean, you know, um, I try my, I've, I've tried my best not to ever compare things because it's two different people, two different personalities, two different upbringings. And so it's not fair um, to Sarah to compare things and say, you know, they were like this. So even in my life, I, I think if I, I can tell you the loss I experienced this last year of, of a miscarriage was different than it was mm-hmm. before. The way I handled it, the way I dealt with it, because I, I had experienced that. And so I think part of it is just realizing that that fear can always, I mean, the, 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 the chance of that can always be there. But you have to realize that if you live in constant fear, then you're going to miss out on the life that you could be living. And so, for instance, for me, if I, if I was worried about Sarah dying every moment, then I could be like a hovering spouse and, you know, where are you at? What are you doing? And, and wanting to know. And, and I miss out on the opportunity of, of us getting to live life to the fullest and enjoy life. And, and my thing is, because of what I've been through, we're not guaranteed tomorrow you know right. we don't, none of us know so i want to enjoy as much life as i can because fear paralyzes I me mean, when john says there is no fear in love because perfect love cast out all fear um and and then and then he says because fear involves torment so fear torments our mind and i think that's what the enemy wants to do is bring fear to torment us and say well this could happen that could happen even with kids you know um with benjamin the funny part about us leaving was sarah was worried about us dying in a plane crash that's why she was crying hmm. she goes what happens if we die in a plane crash and i'm like 
you won't know. Why I mean, is it? Why is it? That, so, I mean, literally, I mean, that, that's terrible. But that's what I said. You'll be dead. You why is it that women? <laughs> does your wife do this? Why does it seem that women jump to the worst possible? Oh gosh, no, I do that. Oh, you do that, and I don't anymore. But like Lori's, like, oh, dude, listen, we had our first baby. They come in, they've lost his heartbeat. He's two weeks overdue. She can't get dilated, and they come in and say you're gonna have to have a C-section. And she's she's like, all right. She's so chill. And then I walk out of the room. The doctors are all running and panicking and freaking out. And and it's she's like the most chill human on the planet, dude. She doesn't no. She doesn't ever think she that. doesn't ever think that way you do no. though? Oh yeah. Of course of course also, I mean, in the practical every day at the house, she doesn't think about, you know, how this could cause this problem here. Like I'm right. I'm a you know, I just think through logistics all the time. So but I, I but yeah. love how you tied that into kind of the area that I was thinking about earlier. Um, so I think that this is cool. Um, fear does dominate us a lot. Sure. And it. I love the line. You just said it. Um, you weren't you weren't going to let the life you could be living be dominated by the life that you were that you had lived. The, right. the fear of the past. And I think a lot of people live with this active fear. Right. That does keep them from experiencing the best life that they could have. I know we're both Christians. We're all ministers on this podcast or whatever, but, um, how do, how do you talk to people about practically overcoming fear in their life? I mean, I think part of it is that, I mean, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. So I think we have to, as Christians walk by faith in the sense that we trust the Lord. Once again, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust that you're in it and that you're good and that you're going to work things out no matter what happens. So part of it is, and and that's a lot easier said than done. I understand that. Um, I think part of it is too, just literally perfect love cast out fear. I think it's realizing that I have to accept God's perfect love over me, that who I am in him, and that no matter what I go through, I mean, once again, for me, all the years that I was alone again, it was saying, okay, Lord, I know you're with me. It's hard. I mean, ultimately, I, I thankfully, I was able to get remarried, and that's what I wanted. Um, but it was, you know, all these years I had that no matter if I do get married or not, again, that I have to be confident in who you've created me to right. be and allow your love to drive out that fear. Because we, we've seen this last year with the pandemic and everything like that, that we have that fear has caused so many people to, and once again, I'm not downplaying anything, but my point is that fear has caused people not to live, not to enjoy life, not to even, I mean, you know, see kids or whatever it is. And we've seen tragedy after tragedy of families that passed before they got to see their kid again because of in literally part of it is just fear. And and we and if we're not careful, fear can grip our hearts so much to where we don't get to live life. So I think a lot of it is that you have to walk by faith, that you have to just trust. It's just a simple trust in the Lord. And I and I don't I don't think about those things all the time. You know, I mean, I could worry about stuff all the time. The 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 funny thing about when Sarah hers her fear was I'm, we're going to die in a plane crash. And I'm like, well, I'm not really worried about that because if we do, I won't know it. But I mean, but 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 my my fear, and I didn't realize I was going to have much fear. But we we leave that morning to go on our trip, and her mom's watching him. Her mom does an amazing job with Benjamin, but once again, he's the most active boy in the world. So you have to watch him constantly. So you know, I always wonder, are people going to watch him as much as we do? You know, because we at times whatever you know i know this is not the best thing to get on your phone or whatever you just watch tv for a second if he's doing anything you just don't know you right. know what he's doing so i mean and we're his parents so are somebody else going to watch him so we're driving up there and, and this is sounds terrible uh, i'm sound like a terrible husband we're driving to the airport and we're both 
talking about it. And that's whenever it kind of came out. Her biggest fear was dying in a plane crash. Mine was something happened to him. And I'm like, well, you do realize statistically we have a better chance of dying on a, in a car wreck on the way to the airport. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not really, and she said, you're not helping, you're yeah, not helping right. me at all. I'm like, well, I'm, my point is I don't, I'm not really worried about the plane. I'm worried about just, you know, getting there and then you're away from him. And if something was to happen, you can't get back kind of thing. But, you know, once again, we go, we're going to Myrtle Beach. So, I mean, do I just go sit in a room and, and right. FaceTime him the whole time and watch him? Or do I get to go out and at least look at the beach? We had so many sessions, we didn't get a chance to do anything, but at least, you know, go visit anything. But we looked at the beach one day, but at least do something. And that's the thing with fear. If we're not careful, we'll sit there and, you know, rub our hands together and just worry and worry and worry. And, you know, I'm going to sit here and pray and think about it and I'm not going to do anything. Or we can realize, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep going forward that you're good. And then no matter what happens, you're good and you're with me. And I'm going to trust you by faith because I can't always feel it or see it, but I'm going to keep trusting you. And then I'm going to let your love wash over me and realize that your love has changed me. And I don't have to live with that fear of and torment of what's going on in my life. You know, what's around me. Philippians four, man, I always go to that because I, I would struggle with worry. And my, my uh, first thing the Holy Spirit would say to me is what is this doing for you? Like, how is it changing or adjusting anything? right? Right. And then he instantly brings me to Philippians four and, and says, you know, turn your, turn your worries into prayer. This is message paraphrase. This paraphrase of a paraphrase, which is oh, there we go. basically sacrilege, but, um, but yeah, <laughs> just Jeremy Griffin translation <laughs> right here, turn your, turn your worries into prayers. And so right. the minute I would start feeling anxious about, cause like my wife and I went to Ireland for our 20th anniversary and we left our youngest with my mom staying at the house and and his brothers but i mean he's talking like five or six but exactly what you said my my concern was not us because exactly it's just funny you said that because that's exactly my thoughts like well i mean i'll be dead right. <laughs> I, I, I won't know it won't matter <laughs> right but but my concern was what you know is someone going to watch my kid the way i'm going to watch my kid right and i just remember praying and that just the instant peace that comes from that when you when you recognize you know what like there's nothing i can do about it and it goes back to trust you know johnny you talked about god's been teaching you this year to trust him and i think i've probably asked you before and i'll probably ask you again what it looks like because more for an exercise for you just to remind yourself what it looks like but for me trusting him is truly that it's saying i you know what i can't do anything about this i'm putting it in your hands my worry is saying god's not capable of handling this or exactly i would rather no matter what god's will is i want it to turn out the way that i want it to turn out right (laughs) and both of those things are no good yeah i think i think from for me what i'm learning is that to trust to trust god is to do what he tells me to do in spite of the fearful thoughts I might have. Right. Um, because any of us can make any decision, whether it's in our area of our business, uh, for those of us that are business people, or whether it's ministry, or even just in your marriage, um, and you're faced with decisions, and we could easily think of how bad it could go. Mm-hmm. But why do we let that keep us from doing what we know we need to do? Right. Because why don't we ever learn to balance it with, okay, well, what's the best thing that could happen? The best thing is that I could actually do what God tells me to do. And he could show me that, that it's, it's greater than what I could ever do on my own anyway. And I think fear for me, at least in my life, what I'm learning is I'm, I'm learning how much I lived on my own talents and my own thoughts and my own creativity. And, um, we were, I was talking about it a little bit this past Sunday. I asked the question we were dealing with, um, when Jesus made him wait for 10 days in Jerusalem before the coming of the yeah. Holy Spirit. And I asked the question, why did he make them wait? 
Why didn't he just, I mean, he had already breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit before right. he left. And then he gets to the end of John and an ax and he's like, here, now you guys go hang out here and wait for 10 days. Why? And for me, what I pulled out of that was um, they were doing a lot of things during those 10 days. They weren't just sitting around hanging out in an upper room. I mean, it talked about how they were still going to the temple. They were still telling the story of Jesus. They were still doing things. So they had these 10 days of doing them in their own strength. And then they get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and they continue to do the same things only now with different results. So they began to learn the difference between doing things in my own ability versus doing things with God's ability. And I think for me and maybe for a lot of people, that's a journey we've all got to take that. Okay, great. You're talented. Great. You're gifted. Great. You're creative, but that's not enough to do what God really has created you to do at some point. You got to trust him. You got to obey him and just do what he simply tells you to do. Um, when, when, if I can say something, when Paul says, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, I've always heard that people quote that, you know, whatever, I'm going to, I'm getting on an airplane and I'm scared, or, <laughs> right. I'm, you know, or I'm going to, I'm scared of heights, but I'm going to ride a roller coaster. God's not giving me a spirit of fear. But that word fear there actually means timidity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God's not giving us a spirit of intimidation. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're talking about with business or ministry or whatever it is going forward, it is, you know, if we're not careful, we can let timidity, intimidation dominate our life. So I don't start a new business because I'm intimidated by the people around me or, you know, I don't launch out into a new ministry because I'm intimidated by all this. And and here's Timothy, a young pastor who is new to this and he's got Ephesus, pastor of Ephesus, which some people say was the largest church in the New Testament. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's young and he's inexperienced. And then but Paul tells him, God's not giving you the spirit of intimidation, but power, love, and a sound right. mind. He's given you the power to do it in the Holy Spirit. He's given you love so you can you can conquer, you know, help people minister, conquer everything with love. You can love people, make a difference. And he's given you sound mind. He's given you sound judgment. He's given you the ability, Timothy, to make good decisions. Good decisions. And so I think for, for all of us, no matter, once again, the business or church, whatever it is, is realizing that if intimidation can hold us back from what we, we need to do next. Because once again, maybe it's a new product, your business you want to try, but you're scared of what that, you know, how, how is the market going to react to that? Intimidation holds us back. But realizing God's not giving me a spirit of timidity. Instead, he's given me the power and love and the, the good judgment to be able to make a difference. So I think part of that going forward is just realizing that, that if, if that intimidation doesn't come from God. And timidity and intimidation is all about our own self-image yeah. of ourselves. And that's what I take out of the story of David and Goliath is that you have two groups of humans. You have his brothers that were staring at Goliath and hiding in their foxholes, a king who was hiding in his, his palace, basically, mm-hmm. when faced with this great opposition. And yet David, who is also a, a human, small kid, basically walks out there and makes that declarative statement. You come at me with this, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. And I think that if we really learn who we are in Christ, who we really are in God, um, I think that helps us to conquer that timidity, that intimidation, because we're not just standing there by ourselves if we're obeying God. Yeah. Now, if we're just out there doing our own thing, that's a completely different story. Yeah, it is. Um, is. I think for me, when in overcoming fear in my life, I've had to find places of peace. Mm. Um, So I, I I have a, I have a specific place that that uh, I like to go and I like to hang out and. And it just brings me peace. I wonder either of you, um, what would be your place of peace, your place of rest that you, you kind of practice going there or getting in that mode to, to kind of help you calm down at times. Do you have a place? Do you have a thing? Um, you know, 
this is going to sound weird. I, I know this is strange because I don't know. Obviously, um, anyway, it for me just being alone once mm-hmm. again is because I'm an only child. I think so. For me, like going to the office, shutting the door, and being in the room by myself for a while is very relaxing. As strange as that sounds, but it's because when I'm around people all the time, and I'm even. I mean, I love my family, but when you're around all the stuff going, yeah, I can't. I just can't sometimes calm down for a moment and think through things. So for me right now. I can tell you, I love, I wake up with our son every morning. My wife's not, she'll say this is not making fun of her. She's not the, a morning person. So especially right now, she's not feeling the best. She's getting nauseous in the morning. So I wake up with our son and spend time with him. And so when, when it's time for me to go to the office, I let, you know, I give him to her and I get ready. And there's something about going there where I can just close the door and think. Um, for me also, I like going out to our lake from time to time and just sitting out there and looking at the water and just getting away, just kind of to be out there. I think just, you know, being in a place like that is, is, is very helpful. Agreed. Jeremy, what's your favorite place? Come on now. You know. I know, I know. That fire pit in the backyard, yeah, baby. Yeah, man. My goodness. That's like it. I looked at the forecast for this week and saw we were going to have rain every day, and I was so depressed. I was instantly <laughs> depressed. And it's not, I love the rain, mm-hmm. but man, I've just gotten so used to getting out there in the evening time you know, seven, eight o'clock, get the fire going, sitting on the patio and just watching the sunset and enjoying the evening. And, oh man. And why is that a good place for you? Well, I, you know, I I was raised an only child too. I have to say I was raised an only child because I do have a sister who was adopted and it's a long story. I know her now and she's awesome. But anyway, (laughs) but I grew up an only child. So I really relate to a lot of that, you know, just being peaceful and in the moment. And in fact, that's a big part of it. It's just quiet, still, and I get most frustrated when I'm in that moment and all of a sudden the back door opens, the dogs come running out, Jake comes running out screaming, and I'm like, what just happened yeah. to my serenity? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if that fire's going and my hat's down and I'm sitting in a chair, like, don't come out here. <laughs> and if you do, do it quietly, right. <laughs> you know. We have, ours is nowhere near, he's got a great, great mm-hmm. fire pit area and he keeps working on it. Um, and we're working on our backyard uh, this week trying to get ours ready and i have a fire pit as well but um i i must admit when we get the fires going i could sit out there for hours um i can worship out there i can put some worship music on and i can just sit there um and it's amazing to to let your mind go and just listen mm. how much how much you can hear um God speak in the areas that you sometimes ignore because of all the noise in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what do you do about the noise in your life? How do you kind of zone in to hear the voice of God in your well, life? Right now um, with a 17 month old that screams all the time. <laughs> it's kind of, no, I don't mean that bad, but it, <laughs> he puts it, his beats different. on. I do. I do. I think, I think part of it is just finding that quiet place and that time I get up early. I'm an early morning person. So I get up many times this morning. I was up before anybody else. And sometimes he, he, he'll wake up early and beats me to it. And I go in there and get him. But uh, most of the time I have to wake up early. And once again, when I go to the office, sometimes I just, I mean, I don't even I love worship music and I play it some, but sometimes for me to think I have to turn everything off because mm-hmm. if anything else is going, my mind is going to it. So I literally just have to get a very quiet place to think. And I think just finding those moments, whether it's at home or, you know, driving in the car somewhere. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I, I love listening to podcasts and stuff like that, but I have to sometimes just turn everything off while I'm going. So I can I'll admit, attention. I'll admit mine right now. It used to be golf. Yeah. Um, and I'm weird about golf cause I'm not really good, but 
I like getting like to the back nine, like usually holes 13 and 14 where you're farthest away mm-hmm. from the clubhouse. And I, I'm notorious to just park my car. I'll pay the extra to have my own cart mm. and go by myself so that I can get out there at 13 and 14 and just find a tree. And I'll just sit there for an hour mm. just out there where it's it because it's usually there's not a lot of cars out there and we live in the metro. So um, there's something about just being out in nature and silence and stuff. And um, I need to get back on the golf course. But since I can't do that, I do love driving with no sound. Yeah. Just. Yeah taken off driving and kind of I can kind of get lost while driving because I just kind of get in my own world that's how I used to be with the motorcycle when I did when I rode my bike which I don't you know do that now but yeah, it was great man you just what I loved is no matter how much time you had you know if I had two hours I would just start driving in one direction and when I hit the hour mark I'd turn around <laughs> it's like right. perfect amount of time and I think for everybody we've got to learn to practice those times of getting away and being peaceful so that we can find the strength to conquer our fears and yeah. not let our past dominate our future and and uh, what I, have you. I will say that I, I don't have a motorcycle, but for my 40th birthday, I, I got a scooter. <laughs> you sure did. 150cc scooter. And uh, I, I laugh and tell people I go do wind therapy. And I, th- I think it's, they, people say that they called it um, my hog. And I said, no, that's a piglet. Like, it's not big enough to be a hog. So I want to get a tag that says piglet on there. I need to get, I a, love I need it. To get a tag. That's awesome. That that. Well, Jeremy, I appreciate you being with us today. You're welcome. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate you talking about your fire pit. So if you guys want to know how to build a great fire pit, uh, go hit up Jeremy uh, on his Facebook page, Jeremy Griffin, and uh, you can can check out a cool fire pit. But uh, so thanks for being with us today. And Justin, man, Jeremy and I so appreciate you and uh, we value you and just thankful that God has connected our lives together. Thank you for being open and sharing your story. And uh if people wanted to check out Landmark, you guys have a website, right? They can kind of stream sure. the services or whatever. Yeah. Tell them about that real quick. Uh, LandmarkChurchOK.com. And uh, they everything's there. Um, sermons and anything that we do. And I, and I thank you guys for your friendship. I appreciate it very much. And um, all that you're doing for the kingdom of God, making a big impact. I appreciate you guys and thankful for you as well. Well, thanks, man. I want to remind you, you're listening to the Renewed You podcast here, a part of the stream grace network and if you have not yet subscribed please subscribe to this podcast and go check out streamgrace.com and uh, subscribe to all of our podcasts we got all kinds up there we would love to have you a part of the stream grace family so once again thanks for being with us for renewed you and know that the world deserves the best you that god created you to be see you next time